0: What's up, everybody? This is the Pierce All Bros Podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm with my brother, Pat. College football is down to its last game as Washington will take on Michigan for the national championship next week. And based on this year's bowl season, is there anything that can be done to save it, and how has it got this bad? We then dig into the last week of the NFL and discuss some preliminary playoff matchups and take a peek at what could be coming next. Hope you guys enjoy it. What's up, everybody? This is the Pierce Bros podcast. It is January 3rd, 2024, our first podcast episode of this new beautiful year. I hope everybody had a safe and fantastic holiday season. Uh, I guess apologies for ha- being on a couple week hiatus, but you know, the holidays come and life is life and it's hectic and it's crazy. And uh, so we're stoked to be back at it. And quite honestly, lots to talk about, of course. This is a, a dense uh, time in the calendar for sports. A lot of good stuff, but we're really going to sort of lean into football as it's the end of college football, almost there, with the uh, national championship game happening uh, in about a week, and then the NFL playoffs start right around the corner. But we're going to start with uh, a bit of a recap of the college football season, but we really wanted to hit on we're officially done with the bowl games. So there's one game left uh, and we're going to get to that and we think it's going to be a fantastic one between Michigan and Washington in a week from now. College football is very well known for their glorified exhibition games at the end of the year, which is there, which are their bowl games. And you know, it I don't think it's any secret and I don't think I'm uh, I don't think this is a particularly hot take. But Pat and I have been discussing that this was without a doubt I don't know if disappointing is the right word, but it was the most uh disappointing bowl season in terms of like a watchability standpoint for a variety of reasons.
1: I agree. And I don't know if it's just us getting older and me just not caring so much about, you know, who takes the cure bowl, Miami of Ohio or Appalachian State. But, you know, normally in years past I would see a game like that and think, well, I'm not associated with either of these schools. I don't really care who wins, but I'm going to watch it anyway because, you know, football. But I would have to agree with you, Mark. I don't think I watched, I certainly did not watch a whole game until New Year's Day.
0: Yeah, it was different than any other year. Now there's a couple of factors. Sort of the most publicized one is all of the transfers. The transfer portal itself has exploded, and the amount of players moving from team to team is just almost uncontrollable. It's certainly more than it ever is in the past. And if you move from one team to the next, you're not, you certainly don't know the playbook well enough or well-equipped enough to be able to suit up for your new team. So uh, you just really have a bunch of second strainers and third strainers playing against each other. I'm, I'm going to speak on my school's game, the Sun Bowl, which is actually, you know, not one of the newer bowl games that have like one of the cheesy names like the Mayo the mayonnaise bowl or whatever. The
1: Duke's Mayo yeah. Bowl where yeah. you get a big old thing of mayonnaise <laughs> on your head, which is so gross.
0: Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to win that one. Um, so, But the Sun Bowl has a name and has some history to it. And this year, uh, you know, Notre Dame plays Oregon State and both teams had enough. There was a handful of starters sprinkled in there for both teams. And I think Notre Dame maybe had a couple more, but it was truly like second team versus second team because of all of the transfers. And now Notre Dame's quarterback wasn't transferring Sam Hartman, but I think he's just prepping for the NFL and just did it. So that's the other reason is folks uh, preparing for the NFL. They don't want to get hurt. So I certainly have no problem with any, college kid choosing to transfer schools for any reason. I'm totally for independence in, in that regard. You want to go to a new school because of opportunity, we're here for it.
1: This is America baby.:
0: Yes, yes. You by no means you, the idea that you're like locked in just to a school for four years, but the coach gets to leave or something happens and the dynamic changes, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. And so we're, we're pro-independence for the players. And I'm also, if you are preparing for a pro football career, it turns out there are millions of dollars on the line. And no different than if you were preparing for to be a, I'm going to use this, like a, if you were preparing to be a professional musician and you had, you got like a degree in piano, which is a thing. You wouldn't go then tell that person, "Hey, let's um enter like let's go boxing." Yeah, let's go boxing. Destroy our hands. Yeah. When I'm about to try to like use my piano degree and become a professional piano player on Broadway or something like that, you know. So, I'm totally in favor. If you've got a good shot to go to the NFL, you don't need to play in some of these games that don't matter.
1: Well, and that, like you just said, I mean, and that's the thing, and I think it, it motivates the kids less. Now, it's one thing if you're in contention for the national championship, you know, next year is going to be a little bit different because there's going to be 12 teams. I think we're going to see less people jumping in the portal. But you're right. I mean, if you had a glimmer, if you played for NC State and there's an outside the box chance that you might get drafted and you're like, yeah, but I really want to win the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Really? <laughs> Yeah. Really? You're going to tell your grandkids about that one? You know I mean?
0: And, and it just doesn't. That's a really, so that's a really good point, the telling your grandkids part. Like, I've uh, never played college sports. <laughs> so <laughs> for those of you, this isn't on video, but I don't have the body built to, uh, to be a college athlete. We're
1: not the tallest, biggest people who ever lived.
0: Turns but. out. so that's why we're here talking about it instead. Um, but when I, even as a fan, when I look back at the last, like, uh, 20 years of fandom for Oregon State. When I think of like my most memorable wins and my favorite moments, one of them is the Fiesta Bowl when we smoked Notre Dame, and that was a really big game. And I think everybody remembers that because it was a really big bowl game. But the but the Beavs have won the Las Vegas Bowl before. We've won like the San Francisco Bowl when that was a thing. I couldn't tell you the score. I. Remember, I watched the game, but like I way remember more of us beating um, Oregon whenever we did in the Civil War or when the handful of times we beat USC when they were really highly ranked. Like those games mattered way, way more than way, way more to me. So even as a fan, I don't remember the I, I wouldn't remember the I mean, this year, the Las Vegas Bowl, Northwestern versus Utah. I'm. I also have uh, a degree from the University of Utah, so I'm a Utah fan. I didn't care that they lost. Right. I mean, well, and that's. I'd rather they win, but I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over it. Exactly. Well, and it's weird because
1: everybody bails out, which is fine, but then you get things like the Cotton Bowl where Missouri plays Ohio State and Ohio State scores three points. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State was supposed to be like on the cusp of getting into the national championship and they put up a field goal. Of course, the biggest example of this is in the Orange Bowl this year, Georgia-Florida State, both of those teams right on the edge of getting into the playoffs. They didn't make it. Pretty much half of Florida State's team bails, and the game is 63-3. to Unwatchable. Unwatchable.
0: And really unplayable. And Georgia's coach, Kirby Smart, even commented on it, and he just said the circumstances of this weren't fair to the kids. Now, a flip side to that is, if you're a Florida State second or third string player, and you never got much playing time, you're pretty stoked and pumped to play.
1: Totally. Absolutely. And, and lose by 60 points You know, in the Orange Bowl. You can I tell your about grandkids that. about that. Hey, I lost by 60 points in the Orange Bowl.
0: Yeah, I, have, I did play sports as a kid, and I've been on both ends of a blowout. It is no fun to get your butt kicked. Yeah. In Uh, any sport, but especially football.
1: Exactly. So it's, you know, I mean, so that's, Mark and I were talking before we came on, you know, should we try to put forth a way to fix the bull season? And the reality is, is you can't really, I mean, again, this is America. Yeah. If you want to change the school you go to, you can do that. Mm Mm-hmm and you should and you should be able to do and that. And you should be able to do that. And conversely, it's like you said, "Well, let's make the kids play. This is America. You can't force people to play football, especially student athletes. They're not getting paid. Most of them aren't getting paid." Right. And so, you know, I mean, I can't I can't blame them. So what do you do? I don't know. I mean, I think I think ultimately the solution is there just needs to be less bowl games. Yeah. Now, you know, we talked about that, too. Well, you know, they say, well, you got to have those bowl games because we make all that money. And you think, really? We're making a ton of money? I mean, the University of Texas, San Antonio, and Marshall made a ton of money at the Miami Beach Bowl.
0: I can't imagine the uh, battle between Northern Illinois and Arkansas State at the... Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama made a whole lot of money. Mm. That is ultimately the driver of all of this. If you if it if an event doesn't make money, it can't exist. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is it's like I mean, I'm looking at it right now the, the lending tree bowl between South
1: Alabama and Eastern Michigan. Like really? Yeah. Really? I mean I mean good good for those kids, don't get me wrong. And the Go family South members. Alabama Jaguars and Eastern Michigan Eagles and all that kind of like that's cool. I mean good good for those schools. But I mean the seven and six Jags against the six and seven Eastern Michigan Eagles. I mean, you're under five hundred. What what is even happening here?
0: It's almost like natural selection. So in the eighties there weren't, or certainly seventies and sixties and before, in the eighties and nineties, when I was really starting to watch these bowl games, there weren't nearly as many as there are now. And then as you crept into the twenty first century, Just felt like every year, like one or two more, one or two more bowl games, and you're getting these goofy names and these odd locations. And the records of these teams were going from nine and three to eight and four to eight and five to seven and six. You just think, well, how could they even go to a bowl game? They're just barely 500. And I think there's almost a pattern of they kind of, it's like the pendulum. You know, we didn't have enough, the American public enjoyed it. And you thought, you know what, our team's eight and four. That's good enough to play in a bowl game, and a couple teams being eight and four. And you are like, yeah, well, we'll watch the game. Okay, cool. It's like, okay, we can drive with that. And then it just kept kind of going and going and going and going and going. And now we've kind of reached the opposite end of that pendulum swing, and it's to that point where too many games and enough people grew up watching too many games and not caring about them and those people have children who are playing for these schools and are like you're not going to care if you won the las vegas bowl or the 68 ventures bowl or the famous idaho potato bowl including the college football playoff
1: championship game there's a total of 42 bowl games
0: that's insane so 84 teams
1: a little bit less than that because there's there's that. That's true. Yeah. So eighty so, two teams. Yeah.
0: I mean that's just I mean, that, how many how many teams are there
1: in college football? One hundred thirty five. So that's more ish. than half. That makes no
0: sense. That sucks. That is not. Yeah. You should. It should be less than half make postseason play, and then that creates a little bit more exclusivity. Exclusivity. So the other tricky part is like the timeline of this. So people are saying, well, like change the timeline of when you can transfer. Well, turns out these uh, athletes are student-athletes, students first, and uh, I don't believe it's going to get really tricky if you try to transfer after a season, let's say like mid-January or early February. I don't think you can do it from an academic standpoint and just transfer in the middle of a term. And the tricky part is in the American school system... Not all colleges run on the same you know, semester or academic calendars. How That being said, everybody's got winter break for two or three or four weeks depending on what system you have. So it's very, very convenient for all athletes of any sport to transfer during that period from like December 15th to January 15th. It just so happens that college football bowl season also happens during the same period of time. And that I think is what you're seeing in the lopsided results.
1: Yeah. Too many games. Just kind of boring. And with all that being said, they get to the college football playoff this year. Those two games, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, excellent.
0: Phenomenal.
1: Excellent football. And I think that makes it all the better. You know, or I mean, I mean that kind of proves our point. It's just like, why do we got to watch these other thirty-eight lousy games? Mm-hmm. I mean, even my Oregon Ducks. I mean, I'm I'm a go Ducks. They smoked Liberty. Boring. It's boring in the Fiesta Bowl. I watched it, but meh, whatever.
0: It was. And some games have you know some of those like non Power Five conference schools have given other Power Five conference schools you know a good a better game. So kudos to Oregon for just sort of putting their foot on Liberty's throat and didn't even give him a chance. No. no it wasn't that's... competitive from the start. But no. um, We'll go into it. Yeah, we'll do a brief recap of those games. So the Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan, I, a little, I, when I say ugly game, both teams, I don't know if they were trying too hard, but just making um, – uh, bad or dumb mistakes you saw poor snaps from alabama you saw a couple of muffed punts from michigan in terms of punt returns guys just not being able to handle the ball you'd see just penalties and but nonetheless a competitive game back and forth i don't know if you got either team's a game but i do think you know there's nothing worse when like the game is close, and you kind of are watching the, the game, and you think, "Oh, the Ron team won because of a lucky break or something like that." I I think Michigan played better at at the end of the day, and I guess deserved to win. It was
1: an overtime game, you
0: know. I mean, yes. they took it. They took it to OT,
1: and you know, I mean, granted, they are the number one team, so okay, you know, that makes sense that they won. It's kind of it's uh, you know, Michigan's kind of hard to root for. We'll get to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. We get over to the Sugar Bowl. Washington, Texas. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. Ooh, get on my back. It was. Let me take you to the promised land.
0: If you like well executed offensive football and like pro style football, it was a masterpiece. Michael Penix was untouchable, so accurate. And even the moments when he was a little bit off with his accuracy, which was few and far between. Washington's wide receivers and tight ends made all the plays they needed to make. They were outstanding. Texas' big strength was their defensive line. And everybody was hyping Texas' defensive line to be able to dictate what would happen what would happen in the game. But a lot of folks forgot that Washington's offensive line actually won the award for best offensive line unit in the country. So it was a unique battle, strength on strength. And while every once in a while a Texas defender would create a little bit of penetration, Michael Penix's mobility, even within the pocket, and the few moments when you decide to break through and run for the necessary yardage, it just felt like he made the right play 100% of the time.
1: Right, and that brings us to next Monday, the College Football Championship, Washington and Michigan. Now, I am absolutely rooting for Washington. A few reasons that I'm rooting for Washington, um, not the least of which being that we are here in the Northwest. We've been to a lot of Washington Husky games. We've got a brother who's, a, who's an alumni, and that's really cool. And I have to admit, it is hard to root for Michigan. It's getting a little evil empire over there. You know, kind of like, are they the Houston Astros of college football? I mean, they're cheating. Of course, the little asterisk of this. Yes, the guy who got in trouble for spying on all those teams, Connor Stallions,
0: was at the game with phenomenal seats. Yeah. Right behind the Michigan bench. And there is this photo taken of him that's like behind his shoulder. And he's looking back at the camera and giving a very villain esque smile. Or smirk. Or kind of like, a very, it's a very damning and guilty look on his face. And it's its dirty. It's dirty. And so, I mean, you know, now,
1: did Michigan cheat on in the Rose Bowl? No, I don't think so. I mean. Did,
0: I don't think so. You yeah. know,
1: Alabama took him to overtime. Now, I would love to see the Huskies just smack him. Yeah, but I think it's going to be a good game. I do think it's going to be a good game.
0: Now, I mean, kind also very, very fun for the last year of the Pac-12, and we get a team in there that's really cool.
1: That's super cool. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going and Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies, they just find a way to win. They really do every game, and so I'm just going to assume that they're going to find a way to win.
0: Michigan's strength is their defense. Their offense is good but not great. And so I think where Washington's defense, you know, it's not perfect. And certainly Michigan's defense is better. And so you kinda do have a strength on strength in this case with Michigan's defense versus Washington's offense and then Washington's, you know, the poorer version of their of their team being their defense up against Michigan's, you know, uh the, I guess, weakness being their offense. So that will be, I, I'm most excited to see kind of how that plays out. There are moments of brilliance from Washington with their, you know, defensive end, Trice. He played really, really well. But they had some lapses against Texas. And Texas is good. I really thought Texas was good. I mean, certainly they were favored to win the game. But w- I think for Michigan to win, and for the record, Michigan's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. So Vegas is predicting them to win. I think for Michigan to win, though, they're going to have to play an A-plus game because Washington, if they're down by 10 points in the second quarter, no big deal. They can score so fast, so quickly at any moment with Penix throwing to Odunze and McMillan and Polk. They always have that in their back pocket. If Washington starts slow... If I'm, I'm not going to worry about Washington. If if it takes them a little while to get going in the second and the third, but Michigan does not have a big playability. They are a run the football team, ten play drives. You know where Washington's big chunk plays. So I think for Michigan to win, they're going to have to play close to perfect, and I don't see that happening. Certainly based on how they played in the Rose Bowl. So, right. Um, their only
1: chance is to keep the ball out of Michael Panix's hands yes. as much as possible. I mean, that's kind of what Liberty tried to do against Oregon. They just tried to play slow, and it worked for a little bit, for a very little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of, the their I think, their best shot. Like you yeah. said, long drives, lots of running, you know, and just to hope that that guy doesn't get the ball because he scores when he gets the ball.
0: Yeah. So. M- Michigan's got to win defensively on third down. They can't give up long drives to Washington, and they can't give up any big chunk plays. But... Michigan has. This is where I think the the difference in the Pac-12 versus the Big Ten. There was nobody on Michigan's schedule that plays anywhere near the the high level of offense that Washington does. No, nobody in the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio, Ohio State wasn't a bad team, and the team they had in the in the big game between Ohio State and Michigan was different than the than the team they rolled out against Missouri in the bowl game for Ohio State. But there was no there is no high-flying offense in the Big Ten like Washington is. So this is a team that Michigan – this is safely the best team Michigan's played all year. And I'm not convinced uh, Michigan is the best team Washington's played.
1: Oh, probably not.
0: Oregon's good. Texas and is good. And uh, Washington – When they played Oregon State at full strength, Oregon State's defense was really good. Not their offense necessarily, but uh, certainly Washington's been up against a better offense in USC. So I think Washington's a more tested team than Michigan, which I think they know. And I think they have in their back pocket. And I think they're going to show Michigan some things that they haven't seen in a long time. And I I think Michigan could win.
1: Oh, certainly. Certainly. I mean, you know, with all that being said, we talk about Washington, Washington, Michigan is also 14 and 0. They also keep winning. And so you can't, you can't, and now granted they're playing cupcakes or or they're not playing cupcakes. I mean, they're beating these teams. yeah. And so, I mean, Michigan is a good football team. No one is saying they're not a good football team. I agree with you that Washington on the average has played better competition and beat better competition, but Hey, they're both 14 and 0. I mean, wins or wins, you it's
0: know. A very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it goes a couple of different ways. I mean, it could either team could win close. I don't see Michigan blowing out Washington if they win. I I think if Michigan wins, it's going to be by less than seven. But there is a chance Washington wins by a couple of touchdowns yeah, they, or seventeen they, points. They could run away with a couple of plays if if Michigan has some mistakes. And gets behind early and has to throw, has to abandon the run.
1: I was going to say that's how the blowout happens. Washington scores like twice early, and then all of a sudden, Michigan's playing from behind the whole time, and they just can't keep up.
0: Are they, because they haven't. They, I don't. I'm not sure they've been behind at all the whole year. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. So I don't know. So you know, hard to root for Michigan. Can't, can't do it. Go Huskies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go Huskies. It's going to be a great game next weekend. All right, let's take a break and we'll hit the NFL. we are back we have one more week of regular season football before we hit the playoffs the playoff picture is really starting to emerge but not settled yet not totally that's right we are now some of the things are settled san francisco 49ers locked up the top spot in the nfc baltimore ravens locked up the top spot in the afc um, you now, it's interesting. Last time we had a podcast episode a couple weeks ago, it was, oh, yeah, the San Francisco 49ers are easily the best team in football, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. Who can possibly beat them? Well, and then that week they played the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> and got destroyed. <laughs> and then the week after that, the Ravens destroyed the Miami Dolphins. And so now, clearly the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in football, and nobody wants to play those guys.
0: Yeah. They have looked it, so impressive! Halfway through the year, I mean, they were winning these games, but they were giving up leads in the fourth quarter. It was close. I remember Deshaun Watson led Browns beat them in the fourth quarter, came from behind, um, and you just the the whole time you kind of thought like, "Man, Baltimore's good." You never thought they were a bad team. You always thought, "Yeah, they'll be in the playoffs because of Lamar Jackson, their defense is fast." But they would never played like a perfect game. And you talk about peaking at the right. Time of the year, Baltimore is doing just that, and they're looking untouchable against not just playoff teams, but two of the five best teams in the NFL Miami and San Francisco. Baltimore are making them look like JV, Absolutely. and they are not.
1: No, they're not. And Lamar Jackson, MVP.
0: Yeah, e- lock easy, it in.
1: Easy, easy, MVP this year. Yeah. You know, and the criticism that he's had over the last few seasons is that late in the season, he kind of folds, goes cold, gets hurt, whatever. Gets hurt, yeah. It's like, it's the opposite thing is happening this year. I mean, I don't know what the Vegas line is, but I'd put money on Baltimore. It's
0: like, you can't make any money off it anymore. It was like, I think it was last week, it was like minus 200. So, you know, he's the favorite, and now it's like minus 9,000, which is like... To win a dollar you have to spend like nine thousand dollars. Right. I don't know the exact math on it, but it's it's yeah, not worth placing the bet anymore.
1: Exactly. So I mean so and then and there so therefore to look at the AFC and it granted the playoffs are the playoffs and you never really know what's gonna happen, but at this stage in the game, I would say that Baltimore I mean I'm picking Baltimore to come out of the AFC. None of those teams the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Jags, the Bills, and the Colts. I don't, I don't think any of those guys can keep up.
0: This goes without saying for all teams. As long as everybody's healthy, because what happened in the 49ers last year, Brock Purdy goes down, and if you talk about a one player meaning a lot to one team, if Lamar Jackson goes down, it's over. Now, their backup, Tyler Huntley, former Utah quarterback, uh, not bad and has a similar playing style to Lamar, so it's not like a huge contrast, but yeah, uh, it, it's kind of boring to pick. Like I think the best team is the first seed, but in this case, you, know, you would have thought in preseason, Chiefs are going to be really good, Bengals are going to be really good, maybe Miami's offense does something. You felt confident, or you certainly wouldn't have been surprised for Baltimore to be in the playoffs, and maybe it would be a little bit more even at the top. But, you know, Miami, while their offenses look good, their defense not only has struggled, certainly they struggled against Baltimore, but they've lost to injury some really key players, both their defensive ends, Jalen Phillips and. Bradley Chubb are out for the playoffs. So it's really really hard, you know, the margin of error in these games is razor thin and when you have you lose two of your three best defensive linemen, that's tough especially when you're going to play teams in the playoffs. Those teams usually have better than average offenses, better than average quarterbacks. So Miami they're going to have to score a lot to win in any game and they can.
1: They can. I mean, and they also, you know, I mean, you, in the playoffs, you need your weapons to be rolling. Tyreek's hills health has been a right. little suspect. They need that guy a hundred percent. And Jalen Waddell yeah. kind of in and
0: out. So they're just they're t- kind of just getting. That's always there's always that team that's like, oh, if they were a hundred percent healthy, they would make more noise. And I think that might be. Miami this year.
1: Right, exactly. And then I think so, and then to take a little sidebar here, actually, we're not going to talk too much about this week's games because, frankly, there's not really much going on in terms of consequence with the exception of one game, Sunday night, Dolphins-Bills. That game has all kinds of consequences attached to it. Right now, currently, the Dolphins are number two in the AFC playoff picture with the Bills at number six. Right, so if the Bills win that game, they will move into the second playoffs s- spot in the AFC. If the Bills lose, they're out of the playoffs.
0: It's amazing to it's go a, f-
1: that that can be the binary. They number two or nothing.
0: They go from hosting a playoff game, hosting the first round, possibly a second round, depending on how the first round games go. Uh, yeah, the sort of complete, you know, all or nothing is truly amazing. And it's kind of the way the AFC East fell. That's how, that's why they get either second seed or nothing because if they win, then they will have won the tiebreaker against Miami and have the same record as Miami. So Miami would stay in because they would have a better record than the subsequent wildcard teams. But Buffalo loses, they fall from... 10-6 Ten and six to ten and seven, and that's not gonna be enough, assuming the Pittsburgh Steel this is all kind of based on the Pittsburgh Steelers winning as well, their game, because right now Pittsburgh is nine and seven, and it's assumed that they're going to end up being ten and seven because they play Baltimore, and Baltimore's not gonna play any of their players. Lamar Jackson's already sitting out. And so that's what happened. That's why Buffalo misses out because they would lose out of the tiebreaker to Pittsburgh.
1: Right, which is tough for Buffalo, and at the same time, too. I mean, they were this team with all this potential this year, and they were only they only pulled ten and six. Yeah, you know, we we at the the beginning of the year we thought, oh, Buffalo, they're going to be great. They're going, but they lost too many games.
0: If you if if Buffalo loses by one game, and you go back and you think they lost week one. To the New York Jets Josh Allen throws Four interceptions Aaron Rodgers goes down On the fourth play of the game with the Achilles Injury all of Northeastern United States just like Gut wrenched except for Buffalo Of course but they still can't find A way to win that game somehow They lose on a walk off punt return for touchdown In overtime and that Be that would kind of be That would be pretty wild
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Buffalo, you know, I kind of hope they get into the playoffs because I like Buffalo. I think they could actually make some noise if they get into the playoffs. Um, But, you know, if they don't, I think there's a lot of things they could talk about. You know, I mean, another another team in the AFC that's really interesting, the Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions at the beginning of the year. We, along with everybody else in the universe, oh, yeah, Chiefs. Pencil them in. Pencil them in. Probably going to repeat Patrick Mahomes, greatest quarterback, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. I don't. I mean, they'll probably make the playoffs, but if they lost in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised at all.
0: We've been talking about it all year long that, like, ah, oh, their offense just isn't quite there, but it'll click. It'll click. You know, they got Andy Reid calling plays, and they got Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, and they got Travis Kelsey, best receiving tight end in the history of the NFL to some folks. And, uh, you know, they got all these explosive pieces, and really the only missing link from last year's team is. Everybody talks about, like, well, Tyreek Hill's gone, Tyreek Hill's gone. Tyreek Hill didn't play on last year's team that won the Super Bowl. The only missing guy is Juju Smith-Schuster, who isn't some all-star wide receiver. So it's not like—that's sort of the odd part about this, is it's not— it'd be one thing if they lost, like, three pieces from the offense. You're like, clearly this is why. It's like, they have—Isaiah Pacheco who has been the running back this year. He was their running back in the Super Bowl— if it hasn't, if they haven't got it together yet, I don't see it happening. Only against the best competition, which is what you face in the playoffs.
1: Right, and also too because of their ranking, three seed, they're going to have to play on the road
0: at some point.
1: And Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game, and that matters.
0: Yeah, and they don't have like if it comes down and they play against one of the better seeds. Now, if they play against Buffalo. I dunno because now I'm looking Buffalo, at yeah, like I think Kansas City would almost rather play Miami than Buffalo because of Miami's injuries on defense and that's what Kansas City needs a weaker defensive opponent, but I guess we won't get too deep into the hypotheticals because you just can't predict that still. there's too
1: many things to shake out still yeah. yeah exactly well if we look over on the other side of the of the table the nfc there obviously san francisco 49ers top seed cowboys lions eagles rams Then you got a few things that need to land it's going to be either the buccaneers or the saints coming out of the nfc south with a potential 500 or losing record
0: um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose both both teams could lose, and still one of them has to get in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and or, and or if Atlanta wins, I guess well New Orleans plays Atlanta. So if New Orleans did lose, Atlanta would win, and yeah, they'd be under five hundred. Would be an eight nine team in there, which happens every once in a while. That would be disappointing, but somebody has to win the NFC South.
1: Yep, that's so that's kind of a dud. And so I think I and I think that really I think it's still the Niners are the best team in the NFC. Yeah. You, you got you got Dallas, but Dallas has been crummy against San Francisco this year, and so I don't think, you know, Lions, it would be fun to watch the Lions, but I don't know if they're going to do anything. Eagles have, like, fallen off the table.
0: Yeah, you talk about a team that, uh, you know, both teams kind of having a Super Bowl hangover. We talked about Kansas City struggles, and Philly was different. They were 10-1, and 1. and you just like, yeah, they can't be stopped. And then all of a sudden, they went on a roll. They They played – their toughest part of their schedule was in the second half of the sh- their season. So and kinda- they
1: lost all the games. Which
0: is <laughs> <laughs> not they great. They did, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's all over the news. They're str- They're frustrated. They're struggling. But at the same time, it's kind of like, if i'm dallas or if i'm detroit or if i'm the rams i'm not like pumped oh sweet we get philly like, yeah. that's going to be a hard out no matter what and in fact if philly played detroit sorry detroit like i you're not clicking on all cylinders i mean you got sort of robbed in the in the bad uh, call against you in the dallas game but you only scored 19 points.
1: Right. I think Philly has the potential to be a little sneakier than Kansas City in terms of, I mean, they'll get in as, I mean, Philly's in in the playoffs, but it's the five seed, but they could beat a higher seed. Kansas City, not so much. Real sneaky team in the NFC, the Rams.
0: Yes. If they play, it's one of those, like, if you get an A-plus game from the Rams... Hard to beat. Matt Stafford can still slain it. Yeah. Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua have proven to be hard to cover. Kyron Williams looks like you know, a poor man's Christian McCaffrey at running back. And their defense is, is their weakness. So they would need the other team to have like a struggle a little bit offensively. But right. if I think Matt it, Stafford comes to play...
1: Right. And I think if the playoffs actually started today, I think the Rams would actually play the Lions, which would be kind of fun because that's who they traded their quarterbacks for, which would be great.
0: <laughs> Could you imagine being a Detroit fan... And having Matt Stafford never win a playoff game. I think he played in two playoff games for Detroit in his whole career. Of course, never won. He leaves, wins a Super Bowl in L.A. That already happened. But then also comes to Detroit and ends your team's season?
1: He might not ever be able to go back. (sighs)
0: Or would you would you be torn as a fan? Would you be? I don't think I would. I, if you left and you won a Super Bowl, you got your stuff. Don't come here and ruin my season.
1: Well, I would say so, especially with the season the Lions are having and yeah. all the momentum they have. I yeah. mean they're building like a dynasty in Detroit right. right now. They're expecting no matter what happens this season, we're going to be back next year torn. and the year after that, stronger, better, faster, all that kind and of.
0: And everybody thought the Rams were not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and not be very good. Because they had injuries. They had an old man at quarterback, and he wasn't going to last, and all these things. And so, t- yeah, I wouldn't you just feel like it would almost be too much pressure for Detroit if they play Stafford and the Rams.
1: Well, it would be a very Lions thing to lose. Oh, totally.
0: Total Lions thing to
1: do. Lions are not known for their spectacular postseason play. I believe it's one win in the last 42 years or something like that. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Anyway, well, we are also in the Northwest, and uh, Mark and I were trying to do the math. Technically, the Seahawks are on the bubble. Um, I think they need... Everybody to lose.
0: They basically. need, yeah. So they <laughs> lost both games against the Rams. So that's why the Rams have locked it in. Because yeah. if the Rams lose, which they m- might, I probably not against San Francisco because San Francisco's probably going to rest some guys because they don't need to win.
1: So, if but the, if the Rams lost, they go to nine and eight. If the Rams lost, they go to nine and eight.
0: And Seattle obviously has to win.
1: Has to win. They'd be nine and eight. You now the Buccaneers, if they. Well, the Buccaneers don't really matter because they're... They're in the NFC South. So, really, the Packers need to lose. So, really... To Chicago, which could happen. Which could happen. So, the Rams and the Packers need to lose. Could happen.
0: Totally could happen.
1: Could Totally could happen. Yeah. uh,
0: You know, you would think at this point, you know, Chicago for a while there, they were gunning for a high draft pick, and they don't really... They don't need to as much as they should because they own Carolina's draft pick, and that's locked and loaded no matter what. Carolina has the number one pick because they have two losses and everybody else has at least, or excuse me, two wins, and everybody else has at least four. Yeah. So as of today, without it changing, Chicago has the number one draft pick. So they're kind of like, they already have seven wins. The difference between seven and eight isn't going to be a huge difference in draft position for their own draft pick. I know that might come across as a little confusing, but um, so people are talking about Chicago being competitive and trying to beat green bay because of course they're rivals chicago and green bay you want to you want to end their season
1: yeah of course i mean it's in wisconsin so we'll see what happens i mean that's you know green bay wisconsin in january who doesn't want to be there
0: right well chicago's not going to be
1: that's a good point you
0: know they're, they're not any different weather wise so
1: that's a good point so you know it's a little tougher but hey go bears and so so yeah. anyway this might be uh this might be the end of the end of the line for the seahawks i mean even if you know, oh yeah. Even see. if the pigs flew and they get into the playoffs, what are the chances of them beating the Cowboys of the line? You know, I don't. Well,
0: know. what are they? I that's mean, that's a good question. Actually, <laughs> you know, like we talk about that because I would agree. Like Seattle, the opposite of Baltimore, not playing their best ball this time of year, and they almost beat Dallas. They all just. Uh, what was that? That was like, thanks. uh, No, after Thanksgiving, just, you know, three weeks ago, they almost beat Dallas in Dallas. And of course, that's where the game would be. Um, So, but you know, with this season having been like it's
1: been every week, crazy wins, crazy losses, you know, I mean, I don't think the, the seventh seed is going to beat the Baltimore Ravens, but at the same time too, I mean, if we get to the Super Bowl and it's, The Browns and the Lions, or whatever. I mean, that would be crazy. Which would be crazy. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it could totally, you know, normally you want to go chalk and you want to say, okay, Ravens, Niners. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, which really it does make a lot of sense. The Ravens are clearly the best team in the AFC, Niners, best team in the NFC. That makes a lot of sense. But if both those teams lost and we get, you know, Dolphins, Eagles, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Every team has had some clunkers and some downers and has had games where they just didn't play their best and or the other team they played against played really, really well. And every team, certainly from 2 through 7, is beatable and has lost games this year that they should have won. Absolutely. You know, Miami, Kansas City, Cleveland, Dallas, Detroit, Philly, LA. I mean, we're talking about all those teams. We're like, they're good, but beatable. And all of them have lost, like kind of gone through Either had losing streaks or had bad losses. Like we we're talking about Dallas, they almost lost to Seattle. They got smoked by Buffalo. They lost to Miami. I they mean, lost
1: to a lot of good teams this year. Yeah, exactly. That so, was their big criticism. They can't beat anybody good. So, I don't know. It's going to be a really good playoff. We got a good week uh, last week here playoffs start next weekend the 13th of January Saturday the 13th that's when they first start it's going to be so exciting we're so happy everybody tuned in this week we can't wait to talk to you again huge college football championship game on Monday tune in check it out thank y'all so much we'll see you next time all right